0: It's Yerina here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our deaf today, Masachet Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Gimel, page thirteen. The Gemara here in Amunalev gets into uh, two interesting discussions that are a little bit confusing when you read them on the deaf. and I'm almost wondering if I'm missing something about how they get to the conclusion, particularly with one of them. The Gemara begins with the premise, uh, the Chazal basically have a um, they have like an accepted tradition that any grain that reaches full growth so that it's harvested on the festival Sukkot, right? It has to have uh, reached at least one third of its growth before Rosh Hashanah and the Torah basically calls that period of the year until Sukkot um, the end of the year, which sort of indicates that there's a uh, that that the, that grain is still subject to the halachot of the previous year, and so then they had the following discussion. I'm Rabbi So Rabbi Yirmiyah says to Rabbi Zerah the following: So he says, okay, what is this thing about this growth of a third? How can, how can how can How can people really tell when it's grown a third? In other words, how do you know when something's grown a third? Because you don't know how it's finally going to grow. I think that's what it's asking here, right? In other words, you don't know how tall the grain is actually going to grow. So when do you know that it actually grew a third of what it needed to grow there? Um, it, it's kind of a great obvious question. Amarle, and look what Rabbi Zera says to him, So he basically says, do I not always tell you that you must not take yourself out of, ha- of halakha? In other words, basically saying, how dare you ask this kind of question? Komidor Khamim kein Hu. Any measures of chazal, they are exact. And so exact. So Rabizer is sort of basically saying to our Yermia, this is a terrible question. Don't ever question any measurement that chazal give, because they knew their measurements. And then he sort of goes through a series of measurements that, yes, do sort of see somewhat arbitrary to us, but his point is they're exact to chazal. Arbaim seahu to arba'im say Right, somebody who immerses themselves in a mikveh that has forty se'ah of water, they're tahor. But if it's less than say that less than forty se'ah, the amount of a kortav, then he can't and he can't become pure in it. Kibetsa mitame Right, an egg bolt works, a uh, kibetsa's worth of impure food, uh, tame food can render other food Um, tame. um and kibetza chaser shum shum, but if that kibetza is missing just a sesame seed, I mean, think about how little that is. Like, how would you know, looking at some food, like, oh, that amount of food, you know, that bread you have is a kibetza, that bread you have is a, is a kibetza minus a shum, you know, a, a, a sesame seed. A sesame seed is, is tiny. right? Then that would not make, even if that was tummy was the kibetza size of bread minus a sesame seed, it could not make something else tummy. Right, you have a piece of cloth. We we've talked about this before. That's three by three tefachim. Then it can be susceptible to ritual to to tumah. Um, if I, by you know tumah midrash is sort of like by sitting on it or or something like it that, that cloth. But if it's chaser nima, which is one hair, right? no mitame midrash. Then it cannot. Uh, then it can't make something tame. So in other words, Rabbi Zehra is basically saying is, is that all of these measurements, right, they're exact. And if they're missing that little tiny amount and the amounts that they're giving are the kortev, I don't know exactly what that amount is, but the other one of the sesame seed and the nima, which is a hair, these are not really discernible by an eye, basically. But what Rabbi Zair is basically saying to Rabbi Yirmi is it doesn't make a difference. The measurements of the chazal are the exact measurements. It's not around. It's not about a third. It's not about a kibetza. It's an actual exact measurement. Um, so I thought that piece was interesting. We sort of just like accept it for what it is. I, it, it doesn't logically make sense to me. Does, Anne, would you agree with me? It's not something that's logical, but I think it's more like what Rabbi Zay is saying to Rabbi Yirmey is, once you start going down the path of questioning the measurements, it undoes all of halakha. So we have to sort of start with the premise that the measurements are the measurements, and Chazal understood what those measurements were.
1: Um, I think maybe even I would say a little bit more strongly, meaning because I think what you're saying leaves open the possibility, like, it's all just concocted, right? And I think that what it means that it's concocted, so to speak, right? Chazala determining the measurements in Allah, then what they say goes, right? And it doesn't have to be some like, natural, I I don't know meaning metric the metric system is very precise right in terms of everything kind of being base 10 and everything like that but if you're not following something that is completely coordinated unto itself then when they say this is an amount of saa, this is how big it is you know whatever then they are establishing that system like that is that is their job and so so i think that when we say that it what Hazal his right when it comes to measurements is because they're the ones determining the measurement. They're the ones who say what it needs to be.
0: Right. So but it, but the, the 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 how strong the language is around that the rabbi Zayra uses is is very interesting. The other piece I wanted to discuss, which I'm not going to read entirely inside just because it's, it's a rather long passage, is sort of this fundamental question they ask about the Korban Omer. Um, and it's like one of those like great questions where you sort of like, know the history of the Jewish people, but it arrives at a halachic question. So the halachic question here is the following, that if B'nai Israel sort of are just about to enter Eretz Israel with Yoshua, right? We know that a Korban Omer needs to be brought in order to make the grain, right? The Omer's brought on the second day of Pesach, in order to make grain that you're going to harvest during the harvest season, allowed to be eaten and used. Uh, used. And until that Korban Omer's done, it can't be used. And so the question that's basically being asked here is, okay, that's great, but how was the first Korban Omer brought? In other words, that mitzvah of Omer is given to Ben Israel in the desert. They're traveling. They're about to go into Eretz Yisrael. They don't have their own fields yet. They don't have their own grain yet. So what grain are they bringing? And furthermore, the question is, so one answer was, okay, so they bring non-Jewish grain but you're not allowed to bring non-Jewish grain, right? That's one of the things that it says here is that it specifically needs to be Kitzachem. It needs to be your harvest. And they get that from the Pasuk in Vayikra chapter 23, verse 13, the Kemar teaches us. So it's not like they could just like go to the supermarket, you know, or go to somebody else's field really and buy some grain and say, okay, this is the grain I'll bring for the Omer, right, and the Mishkan at the time. They needed to, it had to be Kitzachem. It had to be, their actual grain, and so the so one of the solutions that presents it's here itself here, which ties it back to the original discussion, is is that as long as the grain had not grown a third, even if it was grain of a non-Jew, since it needed to sort of grow a third for the non-Jew to take full possession of it, if the grain had grown less than a third, that was the omer that they brought, and that's one of the solutions uh, that they give. Another solution they give is that the grain maybe grew differently in Eretz I don't want to go through that whole passage, but I thought the question was such a great question. It's like one of those things where they really want to align sort of the story, the history as it happens with a specific mitzvah, right? Like, how does that first Omer get brought when you get into Eretz Yisrael if you're not really in possession of the land yet and have not really been able to grow your own grain yet? So clever, clever Gemara here
1: of course, the cynical, easy answer is the mitzvah didn't kick in yet because it couldn't, but okay, I won't mess with the Gemara. Yeah, um, of course.
0: right, right, you didn't say the cynical beast, right, it probably, <laughs> right, it's the presumption that, of course, the Omer was given, whereas we would think, like, no, they got them some settles a few years, blah, 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 until they started to bring it, um, but that's clear not what the Gemara's premise is here.
1: Right, right. Um, okay, so what I want to do here is maybe a little bit ambitious. I There's a Discussion at the very end of Ahmed end, end Aleph, which harkens back to the beginning of Ahmed Aleph, which harkens back to a discussion on the previous daf. So the part that I want to talk about is really the part that's at the end of Ahmed Aleph, but it refers to this section at the beginning of Amad Aleph, where it says, at the very top of the daf, Lo sel ha'asif ha'shanah. So this it's a, it's citing a verse from Exodus from Sefer Shmot, chapter twenty three, and the festival of the gathering at the when the year goes out, right? The, and the point is that it sounds like you're going to have some kind of holiday, right? Some kind of maybe it's a harvest holiday. I don't know. And then then that's exactly what the Gemara says. My asif, what does this mean? Gathering. Ele if, why is it saying, at, you know, why is it called the holiday of your gathering? If it meant at the time of the gathering, then we already have other verses that say, when you have gathered, right? But at the time of your gathering is already there. So, Ella, my Asif, Katsir. So, read gathering to mean harvesting. Now, gathering and harvesting are not the same thing. And in fact, when we talk about Chag HaSif and we talk about Chag katsir usually we're not talking about the same thing, meaning one is Shavuot and one is Sukkot. But the Gemara here is, you know, I will say it, Yerdena, the, the Gemara here is sussing out what's really going on here. So the Gemara says that this tradition, this accepted tradition that Yerdena, that you also talked about, right, that any grain is getting to its full growth, is happening in the festival of Sukkot, that that would be harvested by the time you get to Sukkot would already have reached that one third growth point by Rosh Hashanah, so we can call it at the end of the year, even though it's really happening after the year, the new year begins. So let's now let's come to the end of Amud, Amud Aleph, where it says Ribi Rebbe Chanina. Chanina really objects, really objects to this claim and position of this verse from Shmot that's you know up at the top of the up at the top of the Amud. He says, How could you say that gathering means harvesting? Meaning, you can't, is his point. We already know that we have this verse, which the Gemara cited above, meaning when you come to do your gathering from your threshing floor, from your wine press, that's something else that's not harvesting. So the Gemara goes on to say that Mar said that the verse is talking here about the stuff that gets left on the threshing floor and in the wine press, that, like the stuff that's kind of left over that actually might come to be used to be schach. And then you're not talking about gathering the, the produce, you're talking about gathering the thing that's going to become schach. You're not harvesting, you're just gathering that straw, that that debris from the threshing floor. Um, which is an interesting take. But what I think is most interesting is Rabbi Zaira's reaction to Rabbi Hanina because Rabbi Zehra says, I'm Rabbi uh, I want to read this right. Narga. Sorry, my eyes are not seeing well tonight. Um, so what happens? Rabbi says, this thing was in our hands, meaning I understood it, I got it, that we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about the year of the produce by virtue of it, the first third of its growth, and that's going to be sufficient, right? But then Rabbi Chanina comes along and he casts an axe upon it, meaning that's the narga, right? He he cut it down, right? Meaning his objection here. "Quote unquote nullifies it. What does it mean that he nullifies? What does it mean that he took an axe to it? So it's not so simple to say that he just took it apart altogether. Because in Masachat Sukkah, <laughs> excuse me, there is discussion about exactly this business. So, so it's but it but what happens is that it's as if Rebbe eyes are awakened here to say." Oh, it's not as hard and fast of a proof as I thought it was. And what I find also interesting here is that it does not come back to bring back Rabbi Sanina, who's going to give an alternate reading. Right? He just says, "No, you can't say that." He doesn't say what you should say in se- instead. meaning he's clearly not going to accept the reading that Kitsir, that the time of harvest at Sukkot is what it means when it's talking about the growth that's supposed to take place by the at the end of by the end of the year. So I found all of this very interesting and a little bit um, uh, still requiring further investigation to to unpack it, you know. Additionally, but what happens on the rest of the DAF, And we're not going to read them inside, but um, you could again if you can find a copy of the handy dandy Corinne Steinhals, you'll find some beautiful pictures of different um, fruits, vegetables. <laughs> I think they're really all vegetables, actually. Um, that do take root before Rosh Hashanah, and then you tie them according to the outgoing year, as opposed to the, as opposed to later, as opposed to a year later. And so, for example, and I'm just going to read very quickly some of the examples, and then with that we'll close. hatam um, haores shri Rosh Hashanah. So we're talking about rice and millet and poppies. Right, meaning poppy seeds, right, sesame, these four things, and as I say, there's pictures and there's for, further discussion of exactly what this is. Um, they all seem to take root at that like end of the summer time, beginning of the fall, which is really the Rosh Hashanah time, and then they're going to be counted against the previous. They're going to be evaluated by the previous year
0: instead of going into the coming year. Um, I, you know, I just like who Rabbi Zera is on this staff, like he's sort of getting upset with the questions that people are asking him. And I'm not quite sure why. I mean, I think there's a piece of him that's sort of saying, like, don't ask questions that sort of undo the basis of the halacha. Is that a good way to articulate what Rabbi Zera is doing here? But I, I don't know. They're legitimate questions. But but he seems very bristly on this page.
1: I think he's. I mean, he's pretty sharp. No pun intended with that axe, right? Right. But, but I think he. Maybe I'm misreading this, but I read it with admiration. Meaning, like, look at this, Rabbi Hanina. He just like un like with one fell swoop, he took the ground out from under me. Wow. Meaning, as opposed to how dare he? Um, with I Rabbi, hear yeah,
0: He was more. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Okay, maybe that. Maybe that's the better read of Rabbi Zerah here. Uh, right. Ravi yermia he's more saying, like, don't ask that question. Ravi Hanina, there's, right. an, there, there's an admiration piece here. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadram website. Let us know what you thought about this staff on our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.